Hey everyone, Michael Anthony here. Van Halen, Chickenfoot, Sammy in the Circle. But anyway, you're listening to the only podcast that is dedicated to breaking down the entire Van Halen catalog one track at a time. And the podcast will rock. Ow! Hello, baby! What's up, all you rockers, rockettes, and everything in between? You have come to a new edition of And The Podcast Will Rock. We are the show that dives into the catalog, the discography of one of the greatest rock and roll bands of all time, Van Halen. I am your co-host, Mark Kamire. With me, as always, Corey Morissette. Corey, two things. How are you feeling? Did you beat the virus? And also... Is it as hot in the great white north as it is in the American South? Because I'm going to go ahead and say, no, it's not. There's no way. I'll tell you what, it is pretty hot. It's uh, 31 degrees Celsius uh, where I am right now. Uh, I don't know what that equates to in Fahrenheit. I, I imagine it's uh, it's, hot. it's hot. It's hot. hot. Yeah, it's, it's hot. hot. <laughs> yeah. And I am feeling better. Thank you very much, Mark. And thank you to all the people who reached out on Twitter and uh, wished me well in my uh, battle uh, with the Rona. Uh, it was kicking my ass last weekend pretty hard, but uh, I'm on the mend, still pretty tired, but uh, ready to get my rock on here with, with, with some good buddies and listen to some Van Halen. There's nothing more uh, satisfying. Uh, the medicine goes down good when you've got a healthy dose of vitamin VH. So here's to uh, bringing you to a speedy recovery with some good old rock and roll. But you guys, I don't know if you heard it there just a second ago but we are not alone we have another guest a very very special guest with us today uh from maiden a to z the iron maiden show here on the deep dive podcasting network one of our uh uh you know brother sister channels however you want to describe it but also from the new megadeth show uh so far so good so pod i hope i got that order right please correct me no. if i did not Same as Eric did. <laughs> oh boy see I, I see i had eric from out of nowhere I had eric, eric and my eric and my it's uh Anyway, but to correct me and to promote the shows and be our special guest, please welcome Wanathan. How you doing, man? Uh, nice to be here. Uh, first of all, you know, doing pretty good. It's hot here too. It's not 31. It's slightly below that. But, uh, you know, I'm in the, I guess, less uh, great of an area, uh, white north or something, you know, and <laughs> coming in from Stockholm now. And on a oh, Saturday man. night, you know, it's, it's nice for Van Halen. I'm thinking about that clip. There's a clip with... Uh, um, Diamond Dave, when he's just sort of freebasing some kind of uh, spoken word rap, it's Saturday night. And it's, I don't know, that, you know, obviously <laughs> I can't do it, but uh, it's the right time. It's the right time to be on this podcast, I would say. So doing well. Absolutely, it is. Uh, yeah, yes. of, of course, the Megadeth podcast is called So Far, So Pod, So What, which is ah, easy, oh, it's so easy close. only if you're familiar with the album So Far, So Good, <laughs> So What. But it's kind of, you know, but it's, it's also the only Megadeth podcast out there. And I put Megadeth podcast in the title. Uh, you know, I kind of copped out on that one uh, so that, you know, random searchers can actually so find it. So people can actually find it and like, actually know what they want. That's that's very, very yeah. brilliant. We probably should have thought about that. But hey, you know, what, what are you going to do? Um, cool admittedly, name, 
Yes, it is. It's actually it's a very very cool name. Admittedly, my uh, my knowledge on Megadeth as one of the uh, big four of thrash is limited at best. Sorry, Dave. No disrespect. But uh, we're happy to have you. Happy to uh, uh, have a Megadeth podcast amongst uh, our ranks. That's awesome. But as a massive Iron Maiden fan, I must say it's very very cool to get a Maiden A to Z podcaster on the show. So again, thank you for being here. Yeah, thank you guys. And of course, that's the main pod because me and Greg are sort of busy. So we're doing the Megadeth show as a monthly magazine type thing, you know, a monthly fanzine. It's not weekly or anything like that. So oh, uh, I, guess, right. I, I, I guess first and foremost, I represent uh, the main pod then, you know, yes, coming, in there you made, go. coming in as a Maiden fan here. I didn't find Van Halen through Megadeth anyway. But I, I'm, I'm sure <laughs> Damon Thane is a fan. I'm sure he must be. Hey, you never know. Maybe some of these guys are uh, uh, very steeped into all kinds of podcasts. So y- you never know who might grace our airwaves. Gary Sharon might even listen to our show just so we can uh, uh, take notes on how many times we talk about how bad Van Halen 3 is. And he's just he's just revving up uh, all the insults to come back at us uh, at some point. But hey, Gary, if you are listening and you want to be on the show, we will happily have you. Uh but we're not talking about Van Halen 3, hopefully. We're talking about something else entirely. But speaking of talking about Van Halen, before we get into the show, Corey, I believe today is a significant day, the day that we are recording this podcast. Uh, please tell the listeners what is significant about this particular day. Well, if there was ever a day where we were going to rig the wheel, it would have been this day because today uh, is the 31st anniversary uh, for Unlawful Carnal Knowledge, which is an album both Mark and I uh, really enjoy. This is also our 31st episode. So the stars are kind of aligning. We're recording show 31 on the 31st anniversary of For Unlawful. Here's where we should get like a right now or a run around or a pound cake. That would be just fucking oh, amazing. But please. Uh, Let's I know see if the wheel, if the wheel give it, you know, then everything is definitely in line. Yes, absolutely. The I guess you're going to spin the wheel, you know. I agreed yep. to that anyway. <laughs> yeah, we, we are spinning the wheel. It's going to be uh, by the boards. But if we were rigging the wheel, I'd be picking something from uh, from For Unlawful for sure. Absolutely. Got to have one from the Fuck album. So, you know, I, I, so I, won't, I won't even bother asking uh, uh, you, Corey, or myself, like, what we want to manifest because we just laid it out there. Give us a four unlawful tune. We need it. But uh, I'll go ahead and ask right here at the top uh, before we go. To, actually, no, before I do that, before I do that, um, there is some other Van Halen news going on. Uh, Corey, would you please uh, grace our listeners with uh, some of that? Absolutely. We'll get to the poll results on uh, last week in just a minute. But um, uh, Sammy uh, and the, Sammy and the Circle have started their, their summer tour with Michael Anthony uh, just this past week. Uh, they're doing eight Van Halen songs as part of their regular set. Uh, so if, uh, you know, God bless Sammy, uh, Hagar, and Michael Anthony for uh, continuing to fly the Van Halen flag, doing eight tracks on there. But a good friend of ours, Mark, uh, Kelsey, who's been on the show, uh, somehow yeah. ended up uh, backstage working with Michael Anthony's bass tech. And if you follow her on Twitter, she's got some great pictures of Mike Anthony's uh, bass rig. She got some pics and uh, even some shots of Sammy backstage. I guess he came backstage and danced with her a little bit too, so um they did the cobble wabo she said yes we got to get kelsey back on the show to hear all about that how did she get uh you know working with uh michael anthony's bass tech and the tremendous time she had with sammy in the circle but their tour has started um if you're in the continental united states i would recommend uh traveling to go check them out mark i think they're coming to houston i'm not sure how close that is to you but uh you might have an opportunity in september to maybe check them out 
I can tell you straight up because uh, my lady Christy and myself took a trip to Houston uh, this past year to see a band play. Uh, that is a, a roughly a 10 plus hour car trip. That's nothing. Um, it's uh, well, it, it wasn't nothing, but it was uh, the show was worth it. Let me tell you that it was it was worth the trip. Uh, we got to see a friend of the show and a guest on the show, Jeff Saunders. So that was nice. That was nice to uh, actually get to hang with him and uh, see the band The Midnight play. But uh, it's a trek, to be sure. It is a trek. However, I'd be willing to make that journey for uh, Sammy and the circle, of course. And uh, I would find a way. I don't know if I have the same uh, charm and charisma as, as our friend Kelsey, but I'd try to find a way to get to the boys so that I could let them know, hey, not for nothing, but uh, I co-host a Van Halen podcast, and I think you guys would really be into it, especially Michael. Like, I just want to, I just want to high five Michael and be like, "We love you, dude. You keep doing what you do." Yeah, it's great. Yeah, and Michael knows about the show because he recorded that little bit uh, for the beginning. That's of true. Show. He know he knows. So now I get to ask him. So Michael, did you ever uh, did you ever check out the show? Did you? What do you think? He said he <laughs> put him right there on the spot. Yeah, he promised he was going to. So try and make that happen in September, Mark. Uh, and, and by all means, everybody should head to the Van Halen News Desk. Uh, there's some great live clips of uh, Sammy in the Circle this past weekend. Uh, Mike absolutely killing Unchained uh, from Mansfield. Yes. That That's on there. And another clip of him uh, killing Ain't Talking About Love. So uh, God bless you, Mike Anthony, Sammy Hagar. They're, they're flying the Van Halen flag. Uh, they're doing uh, eight tracks out of 16 or, or Van Halen on the Sammy in the Circle tour. So that's fantastic. Uh, but Mark, before we spin the wheel tonight, uh, should we go through uh, the Twitter poll from last week? We should. Let's uh, let's have a, a listen to what the people are saying about the poll. All what right, were the last, poll results. Last I have week. a question also for you guys. Oh, absolutely. Go oh, yeah, I'm, go tempted, I'm tempted to ask uh, because this is like this is a thing. There's a divide in between Europeans and Amer uh, North Americans that oh. how long is a long car trip? We talked about 10 hours there. That's definitely very long for most Europeans. I mean, Sweden is kind of spacious. You know, it's kind of big. But I would say anything above two hours, we consider a long car trip. What about you guys? It must be more, right? In Canada, well, it's much more. Canada is, is massive. If you're going six to eight hours, it, it's a long car ride. I know traveling for work is usually three hours for me uh, to certain towns. So uh, long, that, yeah, that, that's nothing for us here. But yeah, any, anything over five, six, I think is getting pretty long. I would say for I, work, I, Stockholm puts, puts a line on an hour, you know, an hour maximum. Oh, God. I, I used to have like almost hour long commutes to work and that felt like a nightmare. So just the, the shorter the commute to work, the better. But I'll tell you, uh, I used to make frequent trips from my home state to another state that was uh, four hours maximum. And I got so used to that, that a car trip, three to four hours. That's nothing to me. It's totally fine. So I don't consider that a long trip. 10 hours is, is long. It's, it's a long time, especially when uh, there's a point in the United States when you just reach just a long patch of nothing, of nothing. just nothing, just, just, just this empty fields and plains. And if you're going out West, you're going to run into the desert. And then you really want to talk about a lot of nothing where your existential crisis comes in full force. That's that's when it happens. So makes, um, makes me think of a song, "Going Out West." Uh, Tom Waits. <laughs> you know, it's about oh, taking, he's taking speed and he's driving out west to be himself and name his son Rex or something like that. I think or Hannibal. Mm, yeah, yeah. It's it's uh, that that's not a fun trip unless you are just so. It, some people really love 
this being in the desert, the sites of the desert, I, you know, I put sites in quotation because there's not a lot to be seen except vast nothingness. I know our good buddy, Jeff, uh, aforementioned Jeff Saunders, uh, took a trip out West and you know, a pilgrimage, if you will. So I'm sure he experienced a lot of the sightseeing of nothingness. Um, but hats off to you, Jeff. Uh, we love you, buddy. But yeah, so 10 hours, 10 hours plus, even eight hours is a stretch for me. So I, uh, unless you just really enjoy car trips, I don't recommend just take a plane unless the plane tickets are vastly expensive, which these days they are. And we don't have a fun, uh, you know, railway system like uh, you know, the better countries too. That's all I'll say that, uh, we really should invest. So it, it but that you didn't come here for travel talk. You came here for Van oh. Halen talks. So Halen, Corey, yeah. please let's hear some of those, uh, those, uh, poll results. All right. Well, last week we did drop dead legs off of 1984 and I'm happy to report that it's 94.4% what dreams are made of. Uh, damn right five, it is. yeah, only 5.6%. This dream is over. Uh, again, a lot of people can't believe that's not 100% out of 72 votes, uh, but it's I pretty agree. darn close. Uh, let, let's go get through some tweets real quick. Our good buddies at the Deep Purple Podcast said, uh, Mark, the bat's analysis of the guitar solo was spot on. So there you go, Mark. You got yeah. you got an ally there. Uh, we got a new listener, Gregory Muse, who said, great show, guys. Found you a few months ago and finally caught up with all of the episodes. Keep up the great work. Oh, and to be clear, I'm a Dave guy, 100%. So there you go. Uh, somebody well, who maybe besides a little closer to me than maybe uh, to what Mark likes. Uh, Rihanna at Ray 38 says, great song. Thank you very much for chiming in, Rihanna. Uh, Van Halen dad actually said that uh, this song is kind of like the, uh, the swing version of back in black, uh, for, <laughs> which, which, what, what, which, once you hear that you can't unhear it, right? Yeah. It is kind of a swing version of back in black. I was pretty good. What a statement. Yeah, it, it really well, is. Now that I think about it, that's hilarious. That's what we all needed, right? You already have back in black. You that's might right. want to, you know, a swing version to go with it. Absolutely. I agree. hundred percent. Yeah, uh, Charles Johnson says such a great dumb fun song. Betty Boop and Butts, all hail time and Dave. Yes, some of his best lyrics are in that song. Uh, Bruins fan seventy one says have not listened yet. However, what the fuck with the non one hundred percenters? There you go. Yeah, how do you how do you vote down Drop Dead Legs? I, I have no idea. Uh, Tom, friend of the show, Arm Brewster, who uh, I want to give a special shout out tonight. Uh, he just lost his uncles. So we just want to say, Tom, we're thinking about you, and uh, you know, hopefully, uh, hopefully, your uncle is. Uh, gonna bless our wheel here today we're gonna get something really cool for you um much love to you tom absolutely he says nice nice to see the vote totals rising and uh oh contraire mark when it comes to eddie i want all the notes just not in the order of the first half of the from afar solo <laughs> <laughs> look as i said it's not a bad thing to get all the notes it's just uh sometimes it's just it feels a little inflated it's it's fine it's okay <laughs> uh our friend jonathan todd says love this song uh, but one of the few times I don't think the solo suits the song, that riff, though. So, again, there's someone who agrees with you, Mark, uh, on the mm -hmm. solo for Drop Dead Legs. And Gene Hickey says, fan-fucking-tastic song. Next time the Sam Dave lyricist, lyricist discussion comes up, I see Throw My Rope, Loop-de-Loop, -loop, Nice White Teeth, Betty Boop being referenced for sure. You are absolutely right. <laughs> You're right. It's stuck in our brains, and I will be referring back to it anytime Corey insists that Diamond Dave's lyrics are always just spot on all the time. Like, oh, I, I my just, dude. You know, they're, they're fan. <laughs> Betty Boop, loop to loop. <laughs> Row my rope, come on. Row oh, my I, rope. That's gold, I Jerry. Just told a I told a friend the other day, you know, for a perfect 10 album, not every song has to be perfect 10, you know. It's still <laughs> a perfect 10 album. In fact, if every song is a perfect 10, it might be a worse album. You know, you might need one of those, you know, 
the salty bit or you know the, the, the weird little bit to to get the nice hole i think uh, you know overall great lyrics that's right i i you know what i i appreciate and agree with that sentiment and that perspective so so thank you for that yes that's well that's a good uh, outlook to have i dare say that's optimistic and uh, we need more optimism here <laughs> yeah yeah I'm, i'm a cynical guy but born optimist for some reason don't know why but the combination yeah that's that's kind of you're trying you're you're, yeah, you're doing the yeah. best you can and yeah, we're all exactly, doing the best yeah, we can exactly. and with, like, with and the I hand you've been dealt the hand you've been yeah. dealt that's right well, i also maybe i should mention like why i'm here on this podcast except for being uh like a um, network body of yours sure uh, please don't halen right uh, I, mean, i guess you know i should defend myself in front of all the the people that actually know a lot about this band and soon I'm going to be digging into a song I probably never heard before and have opinions. So, uh, you know, want to strengthen them mm-hmm. a little bit, I guess. Uh, Van You're Halen good has company been, here. They've been around for a long time for me. Uh, I played air guitar too and talk about love with my cousin on uh, like canoe paddles. Oh, nice. mm-hmm. Yeah, six, yeah. Six, seven. So that song was always there. Uh, also, I got a great reminder of that in a South Park episode where the three big religions come together under a new sign, which is the VH sign. So they come together <laughs> under Van Halen, you know, uh, Islam, Good reference. Christianity yes. and Judaism join up under that song too. So, uh, but, but I've, I've been sleeping on the band for the longest time. Uh, but last year there was like a chain of events, which all pointed towards Van Halen. Uh, my drummer started playing in a band and he played a lot of Van Halen in a cover band. Played a lot of Van Halen covers, and he got mad about, uh, not mad as in angry, but you know, he he was crazy about uh, Unchained, of course. So he asked me to, you know, he said, "I'm a guitarist as well. I play in a few bands, and I work with sound as well. So I'm in the rock scene in Stockholm a lot." And uh, he told me to, you know, teach yourself Unchained, at least the riff, you know, so we can jam it. Mm-hmm. And that was my entry way. To become like a proper fan of this band and then uh, i yeah. met greg greg totally adores this band of course and i started listening to pot of thunder chris from that show has been on your show and on made in adc as well and um you know all those things came in line and also another guitarist friend of mine who i got to know through the podcast uh, a massive van halen guy and he's on a like high level of playing too he's a, he's a touring hard rock guitarist So there were, you know, there were so many people that I could trust that pointed me yeah. towards Van Halen, and in particular, Fair Warning, which is pretty much the only album I'm, I'm versed in, you know, mm-hmm. and love that record to bits. Mm-hmm. But um, I told I told Chris this uh, when he guested us that as I got older, when I discover a new band, if I love an album, I'm not instantly, you know, grabbing the rest of the discography as I did when I was a teenager, like mm-hmm. at 12, 13, I was only buying Iron Maiden, Metallica and so on so i've been stuck on fair warning and at first i asked you guys yeah can we do a track of that but then there was this wheel and i figured <laughs> it's actually more fun to be honest it's more fun uh to you know uh, come in and uh Juanatan, you you can confirm you're seeing it right in front of you that the wheel is in fact real some people still don't believe us oh yeah yeah i was wondering i thought it was as fake as the bozo pewter to be honest <laughs> no it's there it's 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 real we've we've primed it uh i am so glad we got a couple of those practice spins out of the way you guys don't want to know what it landed on uh when those practice spins so let's just hope the wheel is merciful but uh that's awesome man i i, I love that uh, uh this is where your journey has taken you through the uh 
not just Van Halen, but just the like rock music of a past generation, man. Um, And if I, and if I can, you know, and I understand what you mean about uh, not instantly going towards other albums because one album in particular from a band impacted you so much. It's like, I don't want to leave it. It's like, it's almost like, this is home. I, I don't want to leave home. This is it's home. Like, this is mainstream. Change. <laughs> Nicely done. Nicely Love done. Love that song. Love it. But, yeah, uh, but if I may, I, I would highly recommend at the very least Van Halen's one and two as a back-to-back because yeah. as far as I'm concerned, it's one giant album. Um, I listened to but, two the, the last summer because I knew Greg then and he, that's his summer man. album. Uh, mm-hmm. Always two. And he, he told me go for it in July when it's the hottest. You should go for Van Halen too, and you know, then you can leave Fair Warning on the shelf for a month and and hit that one. But of course, I've heard it. I've listened to 1984 a fair bit too. So I mean, but go. I just like compared to what I know about bands like Maiden or Sabbath, I know nothing about this band. You know? <laughs> Which is fair for you now. So yeah, well, yeah. I mean, I'm learning a little bit listening to your show as well. So uh, you know, and also I'm I'm a pretty much like all covering nerd in in hard rock anyway. You know, so mm-hmm. of course Van Halen. And- you know, I have to feel feel myself in on that. Well, you're doing exactly kind of what we set out to do uh, when starting this show. We we just uh, were a couple of fans that love Van Halen. It's like, let's start a podcast and talk about it. Maybe if we reach an audience, we can uh, show our love to other people who may not be as familiar with this band before and may perhaps our show can help them uh, explore the the catalog and i'm happy to say we've we've done it we've we've heard for some from some people excuse me uh and they have they've reiterated that sentiment and now we have you here as our guest reiterating as well so that's awesome we're doing our job but i want to make it very clear you guys we're not experts we're not musical historians so before you attack us in the emails and twitter <laughs> telling us over and over and over again that we're blowing steam out of our asses that's fine but it's our steam and it's our asses and, and we're just free- we're just humble fans <laughs> talking about a band that we like sometimes right. the songs are great sometimes not so much but I think, I think with this overwhelming uh, positive energy, uh, uh, Wanatan, you are, you are bringing forth some optimism my way and I'm feeling it. So I think, I think the wheel is going to be good to us. It's a, it's an anniversary day, in fact. Uh, but before we spin it, one last thing, as I mentioned uh, earlier, Corey and I have already stated what we want because of the significant day, but is there a particular track that you will want to manifest you want the wheel to bring forth so that you can talk about is it a song from fair warning or would you like to hear uh, something from for unlawful carnal knowledge since it's an anniversary what do you think off the top of the dome top jimmy don't know why but that's about that's what i want all but, right you know, i'm here i'm here to get something that i don't know i'm, I'm sure that's gonna happen you know because you know just looking at it statistically it's an overwhelming chance that's the case but if it's well, anything I know, Top Jimmy would be fun. I like that song. It's a great song. That would be fun. And as the band once said, everybody wants some. And I want some too. Corey, I want you to do me a favor and spin that wheel for us. Yes, sir. Let's give it a few shuffles here. And take it away, Sammy. Here we go! Oh, is it going to be a far unlawful song? It is! It is! Oh! In and out from Four Unlawful. Stars aligned. That is amazing. On the 31st 
anniversary of Four Unlawful and our 31st show, and we spun in and out from Four Unlawful. Not the song from the album that I was really, really hoping for. However, I'll take it. Uh, John, do you have any, uh, have you heard uh, For Unlawful? Don't think so. So, I mean, uh, those three albums I mentioned are the ones that, I, you know, I can actually navigate around. I might have heard it, but it's not registered in my head. So chances are, uh, you know, which was probably going to be the case anyway, that this would be the first time I hear this track. I don't have any memories anyway, pointing otherwise, you know. Awesome. Well, it's kind of a down and dirty track. Hopefully you like this one. Uh, For Unlawful Carnal Knowledge, uh, named by Sammy Hager when he found out that that was uh, uh, an acronym that was used way back in, in, in olden times uh, that, that begat the world, the word uh, fuck. Uh, he just wanted to call an album fuck because that sounds cool, right? Uh, it was released June 17th, 1991. Recorded at 5150, as uh, most albums were. Uh, produced by Andy Johns and Ted Templeman. Um, of course. Anyway, yeah, uh, it's triple platinum. I think pretty close to quadruple platinum here. Uh, hopefully, uh, th this episode will help push it over the edge and get it to 4 million copies sold. Uh, there were some <laughs> big titles released off this one, Mark. If you remember Pound Cake, uh, Top of the World, Right Now, Run Around, were all pretty big songs. I do. Uh, in my youth, this was, and I'm, I'm dating myself a little bit, but this was the album of Van Halen that was very, very prominent uh, in my youth because you know, by the time it came out, I was a youngster and I was finding my way through Van Halen. Now, of course, the radio, back when we were listening to FM radio before it was whatever it is now, uh, the radio would play classic Van Halen songs all the time. So it wasn't that I was ignorant to the catalog of van halen at the time but for unlawful was the album that was out that was the album that was sort of uh the van halen sort of soundtrack to my youth at that point with songs like pound cave with songs like right now a top of the world that i mean that was just those were my jams so i have both a nostalgic love for the the album and then i have just just an appreciation just for what it is and what it where it is where it lies within van halen's discography so i'm and i and i do know this song as well in and out uh it's not my favorite from the album but i i enjoy it so this is i'm really excited to hear this cool and this oh, is right. 1991 right yes sir yep yeah I'll, i might have some questions for you guys about that later but i guess you know we're dying to get into the song first i guess <laughs> yes 91 uh, the year before i graduated high school Oh boy. <laughs> That's how old I'm really dating myself now. <laughs> <laughs> All school. right. Here we go. Here's a little in and out from 1991's For Unlawful Cardinal Knowledge. Liking it so far. This sounds cool. Um, you know, instantly getting into the guitar nerdy bit of it. And I haven't heard Eddie play like this before. It reminds me a little bit of early Dave Murray, actually, you know, fittingly enough from, uh, from Maiden, which is a much less technical approach, but very singing, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, those bends are like almost like a vocal melody right from the top. And oh, very, yeah. Very engaging. And 
I like the airiness of the of the drum beat too. There's a lot of space in the drums. Mm -hmm. So we're off to a good start. Oh, I had a yeah. This is a uh, song. Yeah, yeah. I I was just gonna say, I was like, what a what a way to kick this song off, man. It just it just yeah. starts off as just as a banger, right? Right. You're like I howling wind, go. you know. <laughs> it does, and I just I, I love me a good guitar howl. You know, the dive bombs and the guitar howls. I love them. Me too. And the production on this album, I, I I think really stands out for me. I love how this album sounds. And you mentioned the kind of the, the space and the drums there. You really get that separation kind of from everything. It sounds very big. Uh, I really thought Ted Templeman and Andy Johns killed it on the production mm -hmm. of this album. And after OU812, a lot more synths on that album. This one is really kind of a return to rock and a return to guitars. And you get a lot of fucking killer guitars right at the beginning of this track. Yep. I produce myself, so I'm familiar with Ted Templeman. And I'm, I think I'm... I, sh I should be sure about this. This was his return, and he hadn't been in the band or working with the band since the Roth era. Uh, it's yep. yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, because that, that's you know something I, I do a little bit by trade. So always when I listen to songs, production comes to mind, and you hear the '90s sound in the drums here, but in mm -hmm. a good way. You know, that kind of you know the beefiness of it is mm -hmm. a little bit. It's more dry if you go back to you know early '80s or '70s, and this is a little bit more saturated but with that space in the actual beat you know the way he plays it works works a charm perhaps that's why uh they got ted to come back as a way of uh returning back to the sort of the the uh, classic rock sort of sound that van halen uh not to say they didn't have it beforehand without ted but it's like uh it's like we need your touch for this one because we're uh we're trying to go trying something new but we're we're going back to uh a familiar form that's just my guess but again i'm no historian so i don't know for sure i did study music history so if you want to give someone shit you can give it to me if i get something wrong <laughs> i mean <laughs> we of course we had eric sinich from from the van halen news desk on the show so it's like if you're gonna throw any shade at us about that talk to him he's the historian <laughs> the literal van halen historian if you get shit wrong you know just uh, just call me out <laughs> All right, let's keep oh, it they going. They will. <laughs> Sammy's killing it, Mark. Like uh, vocally, I, I I can see it getting right. Like he's top of his game. Like on this album, 1991, Sammy was sounding fucking amazing. And, and lyrically, I kind of liked where he was going because uh, I'm 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 in debt. I'm always broke. A, a tank of gas costs you know five hundred dollars where I live now. So <laughs> kind of a timely track for the same uh, here. Same here. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. He's he's making a statement both lyrically and vocally. Just I mean, <laughs> it's like in case you forgot, I'm Sammy Hagar. Here you go. Killer verse. Uh, I am familiar with Montrose, so I am familiar with Sammy, but not in Van Halen. Not really. I haven't listened to that a lot. And I'm surprised on how right it sounds. You know, it doesn't sound out of place whatsoever. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <right. laughs> 
not not to say that uh the the roth era of van halen sounds wrong please do not no, no, i mean right in, in, like sounding like that is right yes know? yes yeah, exactly but i mean that's kind of my whole point with with everyone knows at this point that i'm more pro sammy than i am pro rob just in the vocal department just as singers and i completely agree with that sentiment it just sounds right yeah. with sammy at the helm well, i mean part of my epiphany last year or two years back on, on this band van halen was uh, realizing that uh, diamond dave was a genius all along and he just had us fooled with all that gigolo stuff that he was saying you know That's right and I stand by that. I stand by that. I think I think he's, he knows what's going on in our room. He's got social awareness on a superhuman level, I think. 100%. But yeah, it was, you know, when you have this preconceived conception of a guy and it's Vince Neil, and it turns out <laughs> to be a genius instead. Yeah. Imagine, you know, the, the, the switch that happens in your mind at that point. Oh, yeah. Know? Oh, that, then I, that's I a great can't comparison. stop quoting him. I quote him all the time. <laughs> <laughs> great comparison because I, I think a lot of people who don't know a lot about Diamond Lee Roth might put him in the Vince Neil camp of, you know, the uh, out of shape singers who can't carry a tune anymore. Clock. Yeah. But Noah, Dave is fantastic uh, in his own right, but uh, uh, Sammy uh, kills it on this entire album. This is, I think, locally my favorite Sammy performance uh, is great this parts. album when, when he, was, he was with the band. And we got a killer, uh, killer chorus coming up here. Let's keep her going. Do it. Sorry, I was getting so into the song, I forgot to pause yeah, it. Yeah, me too, me too. <laughs> I was hesitating whether or not to stop it, actually. At this point. But, uh, uh, I was just uh, guitar nerding a little bit here. I picked up the guitar quickly and found that this is a, it seems to be E standard, which I realized mm -hmm. uh, Unchained wasn't when I taught myself that song. It's a drop D song. Yep. Uh, and which is quite rare for, you know, 1981 is fair warning, right? Yes. Yeah, so so in 1991, it would be more normal to be, you know, starting to use those kind of tunings. But this uh, was like normal E, but I heard some really cool uh, chord voicings from Eddie in the chorus. Really just kind of strange, jazzy flavor to it, which is nicely, you know, tucked into this uh, overall just rock and roll vibe of the song. You know? So that, that's the kind of, that's the small, the details, you know, that make uh, this band very good for me you know like it's to make them stand out that you know they don't have to have a i mean i like bands like mr bungle too but they don't have to do that you know they don't have to switch to a, a completely different thing and then you know just to show that they can instead he tucks it in there hides it in into this rocker really weird chords uh, in the middle of the chorus there something i notice immediately so yeah, that's something just, eddie's crap, pretty know? yeah he, he's pretty fantastic about doing a lot and making it seem 
like not like he's not doing much of anything, but he is. There's there's a there's a master at work in there. Um, I was just so wrapped up in the the groove of the rhythm section that I was just. It, it took me a minute to realize it's like, oh, Eddie's Eddie's back there, very prominent, but he's just he's kind of doing his own thing, but it's still flowing, it's still vibing with how the song is structured. Because, well, I mean, he structures the song essentially. Like that's how Van Halen seems to work. Um, but uh, yeah, he's just there's a lot he's doing kind of back there ornamentation if you will uh with uh with the riffage and uh and just the strong rhythm section just keeping the drive going michael's doing it just sounds like he's just taking the bass for a walk and uh doing what he's doing but and then you know and not to be outdone too, you know? the vocals yeah and then and then there's sammy you know sammy's just like really holding it together well i would say sammy and alex both are really holding it together but i mean like San, or, uh, Alex won't be outdone. He's like, I'm still going to give you my special group, my special uh, uh, flavor. But a, oh, when man. you have that lineup, you know, Pantera, Black Sabbath, uh, it's a classic rock lineup, sort of, you know, when you have a, a lead singer that doesn't play anything and you have one guitarist. Mm -hmm. When you have yep. that lineup, you've you, you got to be full on on all four fronts. Otherwise, you, you're going to be able to tell and you should probably be a power tree instead and get rid of that guy, you know. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's I'm a, a big Pantera fan, so I, I believe they do that too quite well, you know, in terms mm -hmm. of uh, moving all the four corners forward. Uh, not, I mean, not necessarily at an equal speed, but at an equal quality, you know. And that's, oh, you yeah. know, when you were talking just now, I realized, yeah, I was into that and that and then that and then that, you know. So, it's, you know, it's, uh, it's a lot to take in on the first listen, but uh, it's also pretty damn good so far. It's not because I have something super important to say. I just need a little bit of time before I think it's a guitar solo kicking in now. Yeah. You know, this is coming up. So <laughs> the, the second know. half of it. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. Now, now I just need, I needed a, a few seconds here, but uh, I guess I could echo that. Uh, <laughs> I'm, surprised, I'm surprised about uh, Hagar here. I'm, I'm really surprised. I always liked him. You know, I always thought he was a great singer. And, you know, as far as Dave goes, he's not a great singer, but he's an amazing front man, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. Dave Mustaine in Megadeth could learn a lot from him because he's you know pretty shit at fronting a band live, to be honest. Uh, while he's good on records, I think you know he's got his weird rap voice, which you might or might not like. But uh, you know, for me, having worked, <laughs> with, having worked with bands and stuff, for me the frontman part is more important actually than being a, an incredible singer because it's still rock and roll, you know. And I was always very happy with what Dave did in terms of you know range or rhythmic aspects and all that. But uh, Sammy is a better singer. I agree with you there, Mark. You heard it. Yeah, good. yeah he's just a bit better, but it uh, doesn't really matter when it's rock and roll, though. You know, that's not what you should measure on. But still, you know. All right, let's finish off the solo here. Then we can get your thoughts on uh, what Mr. Van Halen's uh, accomplishing here. 
A couple of times there are there are moments when I think I think Eddie might venture off into uh, cult of personality solo moments where all the notes all at once not feeding into the song. However, he does not do that. Instead, he gives you all the precise notes that are needed for this song for the the solo. The solo is serving the song. This is a perfect representation of it because, I mean, at, at no point does the song lose momentum. Uh, you're not distracted by, uh, I mean, obviously the solo is the forefront. So you're listening to that specifically. That's where your brain is. But it's not, it's not so intrusive that it's taking away from everything else happening because you still have Alex. You still have Michael holding down. You even still have Sammy throwing in a few kind of, uh, I don't want to say a uh, oh, Roth level me. sort of, you know, howls and little like sort of, that. he's not, he's not doing that. He, but he's just, he's, he's being Sammy and he's just making sure you remember he's still there yeah, um, because on percussive vocals. Uh, Hetfield yeah, has yeah, his, yeah. Hetfield has, yeah. Tom G warrior and Celtic frost has his, Ooh. And uh, I mean, apparently then Hagar has his, uh, what was it? Oh, Hey, Whoa. Something you like that, you know, Part of the he's show. got his he's got his perfect uh uh sort of like um high register sort of howls in a good way you know i mean dave has his howling too but his are more specific uh this however uh does not none of that uh distracts from the fact that uh you know eddie is giving you just this rip-roaring solo that fits the song and that's what he does best man even i mean e even if it's not the most in in tristic or i'm sure that's whatever the word is like i'm if it's not the most amazing solo in the world he's still doing it what when he does it best he's doing it to serve the song i feel yep. like this solo absolutely serves the song in every possible way Corey, what do you think oh i absolutely agree i love this solo i wanted to ask both of you though because you're you're both the uh, guitar players uh this was uh first album uh, eddie recorded without his uh trademark marshall which uh, got him through uh, recording, uh, you know, early stuff all the way through the Van Halen one, all these later albums. Um, but uh, the Marshall was starting to fade at this time. So uh, uh, they also, uh, his PV was kind of in the prototype stage here, but he recorded a lot with a, a Soldano uh, amp on this. Uh, as a guitar player, and, you know, Ed, Eddie was like married to that Marshall. He loved that thing. Uh, now you're going into recording a new album with, with a new amp. Um, what are your thoughts on, on the guitar tone? And, um, you know, maybe having to give up a beloved piece of equipment that is so instrumental to... Uh, to your style and your sound. Uh, I'll let you go first there, Mark, but uh, oh, I'll just kind of okay. comment on the, on the actual solo uh, before that, you know, uh, just my two cents on it is that it started off sort of like a gasoline and an oily, you know, hard rock solo. Uh, we were talking, I was talking about Dimebag just now or Pantera, you know, and I felt a little bit of that kind of more attitude more so than, you know, being, being a Mozart, which he can also do as, as your listeners know, but um then at the latter half of the solo, they switch chords like motherfuckers. This, uh, you can swear in this pod, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they switch chords like motherfuckers uh, at that point. I think like at least two times per bar, they switch chords. And uh, he 
probably must have been his idea. You, Mark, you said that he's the key arranger guy of this band. Usually. Eddie. Yeah, so I'm, I'm guessing he's just like, okay, I'm going to throw in that to contrast the gasoline part, which worked great. You know, this is a cool way to do a... It's sort of like one man doing two jobs in one guitar solo, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as the amp goes, there may be a subtle, and and I'm sure uh, producers or extreme guitar enthusiasts might be able to tell you the subtle differences, but there, there's probably like a subtle difference in tone uh, based on what we're used to hearing from from Eddie uh, as far as his guitar playing. But uh, But honestly, sometimes that just... Sometimes you just chalk that up to how the uh, production quality is. So sometimes if you have a producer that's going to mix it a certain way, uh, to me, even if it, even with a uh, new set of amps that uh, he's he's recording on for this album, he still is able to maintain his signature tone. Like when I listen to this, when I listen to any song from this album, it's like, yeah, that sounds like Eddie because it's the man in the just keeps. It's, it's in the fingers. He's got tone in his fingers, tone of the gods, if you will. Uh, and he wants you find your sound. And this is very hard. I'm sure, Juanatan, uh, uh, I'm sure you can uh, attest to this. It's very hard to find your own signature sound from the guitar and be able to stick with it. Um, a, lot of, a lot of bands go pr- most of their careers without it because it's just like, well, it's either going to sound like me or it's just going to sound like it's supposed to say, I don't know. Yeah, I would say um, but Eddie, bands, sorry. Yeah. I'll let you finish first. Oh, I was just, I, I was just, I was just going to say like Eddie found his sound real early and it's hard. And just because of the way he plays and it's the way that, you know, he's uh, his particular way he likes to do things. He made that sound work. So even if it's a new amp, it's still Eddie. It still sounds like Eddie to me anyway. Right, yeah. Uh, for me, the thing is, I, I got interested in sound, as I think many uh, producers or uh, front-of-house engineers or monitor engineers, they get introduced by actually, you know, um, dialing in uh, your amplifier. My, my Marshall, mm. or, uh, actually, I played a 5150 back those days. And uh, I also, I didn't mention that, that for me, uh, Eddie's rhythm sound was always something I went for, even not being a Van Halen fan. Because I, I just liked it, you know. There's there's a mm-hmm. few out there, you know. You have the treble heavy kind of almost screechy Tony Iommi rhythm sound, and then you have the scoped Hetfield sound without no no mids in there. And none of them yeah. really worked for me. They didn't work for my fingers when I played. I like those guitarists, but they didn't work for me, you know. So uh, quite early on, actually, Eddie's uh, sound was the sound I wanted, and I find it's pretty twelve o'clock actually. It's quite even. It's not that you know extreme uh, he adds uh, some sonic flavors with the face 90 uh, pedal mm-hmm. for example but overall you know i think he could plug into anything to be honest and make it sound like eddie uh, because it's not a complicated sound not really the everything he's doing is weird tricks you know uh, like her intro to uh, mean street what the hell is going on you know it's just <laughs> like play, playing drums on the guitar somehow you know <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think you can stop that guy. No. no. Not really. It doesn't matter what you plug into. And for me as a guitarist, I, I'm i more interested in the holistic thing, how the band sounds. So uh, mm-hmm. for me it's okay to, you know, suddenly get a new amp. Uh, usually I can work around it. Just you might have to 
give the sound check uh, another 10 15 minutes to to find where you want to dial the mids and stuff but uh yeah all in all i think uh it probably it wasn't a challenge for him to switch gears at this point but maybe a little bit uh in terms of sentimental values and stuff you know that he was in love with his old amp and so on but then it could also be like a fresh new start or something you know so i think you should switch things up now and then it's a testament to his ability to as a guitar player um that as you say like it didn't matter what he plugged into because he's going to make it sound like him is like because the amp does not a guitar player make uh it is it is ba if you are relying on the way your amp sounds to uh distinguish how you sound as a guitarist not even just how how it sounds coming out of the amps like if you rely on that then you're not really it's i don't know it just sort of in my opinion kind of discredits a little bit but eddie on the other hand is like no i know how to play and i know how to make this sound uh the way i want it to sound or at least because i'm playing it um and there's like there's plenty of i'm sure Jimi hendrix probably it, it didn't matter what amp he used it's like no it's gonna sound like jimmy it's gonna yeah. sound like uh uh you know i uh, just i mean there are various guitar players where you know who they are based on how they sound and would you know that uh they're not using the same amp twice probably not maybe depending but i mean it's just it's all about uh your playability and it's just the way it's uh you just find your tone wherever you can and yeah it sounds to me like eddie just knew how to find it on your previous note too, a lot. Uh, you're right. Uh, I, I can attest to that. Most bands don't found don't find any identity in in their sound. Uh, it's not like they go about with a, a guitar tone that has no identity, but they steal an identity from you know another. Yeah, another. there you go. And I think I I kind of tried to you know pull a fast one on everyone by by taking it from Eddie. While I wasn't listening to his music, I was listening to his to his uh, you know EQ and all that kind of technical mm -hmm. stuff back then uh, but you know if, i mean even as a rhythm player it's unmatchable i would say you know you you can't get that sound even by buying all the stuff no. you had the actual stuff you had you can't get that sound anyway you know i think no one will be able to well said let's keep her going <laughs> that was a pretty cool move actually i was waiting for it <laughs> yeah. yeah cool move because uh, i was feeling the the for the first time in this listening session that the song was getting a little bit pumped out after the solo i, I didn't particularly like that uh bridge bit they did uh, felt very stock to me just random but then when the full tempo kicked it was already pretty cool and, and now with that trick in mind i already forgot about that transition that was from the solo back to the song uh, not very strong, but that was this is my only complaint so far. Uh, vocals still kicking ass, basically.
No one, no one can play a ride symbol like uh, Alex did there. Oh, I know. I was, yeah, I, I, I was gonna make a, yeah, I was gonna make a note about that. It's just like, man, he is riding that ride, and but in like such a good way. And there we have uh, them fading off into the sunset as Van Halen is one to do. You would think they would incorporate a lot more sort of arena rock stops uh, at the end of their songs, but not so much. They like the fade out, so I respect it. Would you be surprised uh, on that tour? They only played this song 13 times. I uh, would be surprised. I think that's kind of a shame because this, I feel like this is a banger. What this about subsequent tours? Have they played it uh, on, on latter album tours? Nope. Uh, only on the 91 tour 13 times. If, if you actually uh, want a live version of it on the uh, live album live right here, right now, uh, they have a version of in and out on there. And for my remember it, it, it pretty much cooks as well. But uh, I was kind of shocked by that because uh I think "Man on the Mission" is or "Man on a Mission" is the only other song that they hadn't really played uh, off that album. But I tell you, if Sam and the Circle are, are are looking for maybe some gems from Four Unlawful to break out on their current tour, uh, I wouldn't mind hearing a little "In and Out." Ooh, thirteen yeah. times is a curious number of gigs playing a song. Yeah, it's almost it was, like it was it was canceled for some reason. You know, they didn't feel it or something. Yeah. Thirteen times is really strange. Third is the thirty-one reverse, right? Oh, there you go. Well, we, 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 I mean that, yeah, that's, I see what you did there. It's fun. But we, you know, we've talked about uh, how many times certain songs uh, get played on, on their tours that we can uh, look up and sometimes, yeah, sometimes it's kind of a, a precocious number. And we, we've talked about that maybe because even at this point, even in 91, Van Halen had so many bangers and so many hits that maybe you just kind of have to, let some songs go to the wayside unless you're just going to play a four hour set, which as much as they probably would claim that, Oh yeah, we should totally do that. They're not going to do that. Nobody's going to do that because that's a very, very long time and they have a lot of songs. So eventually you just, you have to start making cuts. 
uh and perhaps after a while it's like okay we we played that song 13 times all right let's throw another one into the rotation you know keep it fresh maybe they just got sick of playing i don't know it's sometimes bands are tricky about that i'm gonna even interrupt you and ask you because i need to know uh how are they about set lists are they rigid you know we have a tour set list and you switch one song or two or are they more of the fluid kind of band that you know could throw in you know it could exchange four or five or six songs uh, during the tour well i know during the during the sammy era um when it came to kind of whatever sammy song they did they were pretty fluid or uh, if they were throwing in a cover they have it they'd have like a cover slot and some nights they do you know won't get fooled again by the who or you know, they, they, they would change that one out. But I think pretty rigid when it came to the kind of the standard Van Halen stuff. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Because you see that sometimes in Maiden that they put up uh, a song from the new record and they play it for not 13 shows, but like two shows. And then it's like, no, not feeling it. Can't do that song. And then they replace it by probably Ratchild. Always Ratchild. But, um, you know, <laughs> uh, I don't know. The Always Ratchild. <laughs> I don't know the modus operandi of, of, uh, of the Van Halen boys here, but... Uh, you know, I guess most bands in, in you know, the, the semi-classic uh, rock era, which I would say, you know, 70s, 80s or something, I think most mm. of them were pretty rigid with the sets. They didn't do like uh, jams or, you know, they didn't go Grateful Dead on it or anything like that. Oh, thank God. But uh, no offense to Grateful Dead fans, but um, I, I, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Corey, I think you can fact check me a little bit. I um during sammy's time i don't think he was very keen on doing roth tunes am i right yeah he, he wasn't a big fan of doing them like they, they would do jump uh pr pretty much sure. every show i think that, that that was the one uh ain't talking about love was another one they 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 did quite a bit but yeah he was they they did certainly did more sammy songs he'd only do like two or three dave tunes on yeah. tour if you like ain't talking about love uh and you haven't heard sammy do it live you should because it's awesome it makes the song so much better than it already was yeah i said it we'll do we'll do interesting challenge <laughs> i'm right, just I'm, I'm speaking to everyone out there it's fine but yes do it <laughs> but mark we got a piece of business to take care of here we got a vote on in and out from far unlawful we do we do okay well then uh we're going to uh put him on the spot because you're our guest uh one of ten would you uh consider in and out from for unlawful carnal knowledge uh what dreams are made of or for you was this track did was the dream over and here's a, a clenched fist which way is it gonna turn Yep, uh, like it's not my new favorite Van Halen song or anything. I felt it lost a little steam after the guitar solo, but overall, I'm very impressed by how good they sounded in '91 with this lineup. Uh, surprised, even I would say. So definitely, this could be the material for some dreams in the future. There you go. Some nice dreams, some sweet dreams, uh, all the pleasant dreams you can think of uh, for our guest. Uh, so then I throw it to Corey. Corey is in and out uh in for the dreams or out because the dream is over for you i i always really dug this track this is one of my standouts from for unlawful it's not my favorite cut on the album but the, the band sounds great uh the production is top notch i actually really like that transition mid-verse uh, you know, when, when, when Mike and, and Alex really kind of get into it and really jump that up a little bit mid verse, 
I, I think is fantastic. Lyrically, this song worked for me. Sammy sounds amazing. Guitar solo was top notch. Absolutely what dreams are made of. I'm so glad we spun this one on the 31st anniversary of yeah, Front Lawful. And this is a great example of this album. Like, There's maybe three songs on here that are completely terrible, but there's eight absolute bangers. And, and this is one of those eight. I'm very glad we got this one here tonight, which leaves the contrarian Mark Kameyer. Uh, what do you think, Mark? Uh, in and out for unlawful. Is this what dreams are made of or is this dream over? Well, I'm nothing if not contrary. But just not this time, <laughs> because, yeah, uh, I've mentioned before, I, I this is one of my favorite Van Halen albums. Uh, it was very prominent when I was a wee lad. So naturally, it's ingrained into me. Uh, and this is one of the bangers. As Corey said, if, if there are three duds, there's at least eight awesome ones. This is one of them down and dirty in and out. I don't really have a lot to say about it. Other, uh, just to reiterate what uh, what my my co-hosts have talked about this is just this is just a good track i talk a lot about uh what you want in a good just banging van halen track and i feel like this one checks all the boxes and especially the box that i in particular really love which is uh letting sammy just do his thing just do his vocal thing people need to realize that and i'm sure you do i'm sure lots of people it's been enough time people know that Sammy Hagar is a fantastic vocalist, but it bears repeating, especially when the Van Halen talk comes into play because everyone likes to throw in the uh, Dave versus Sammy conversation. It's like, let's not do that. Let's just uh, appreciate what it is. However, I should uh, reiterate that you guys really need to give it up to Sammy when he is laying it all out there. And this is one of those tracks where he really is doing some of the most, but that is not to take away from the rest of the band. Like I said, the rhythm section of Michael and Alex is solid. What a solid groove that they have pretty much consistently throughout the song. And then Eddie, need I say more that solo, even if you weren't digging the rest of the songs for whatever reason, that solo is fantastic. That solo just really brings it in together. Sometimes a solo can save the song that we're not so much digging. This is not the case. This solo just brings the song up. It elevates it to a new height, I think. Um, yes, in and out from the Foreign Lawful Carnal Knowledge album is, is truly a banger. I'm so glad we spun this. What is it about? Is it about sex in out or at the end of the song? I thought he, he said something about you got to even the score or something like that. So then I thought is it, is it about like a personal hustle or something, you know, <laughs> I don't know. First, I thought it, it seems like it's song. a, that, it, uh, it seems like it's a, it's a money thing. Like it's a, you know, yeah, sometimes you're broke, sometimes you're in, sometimes you're out, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. I figured at the end, but before that, I just got, went by the preconceived notion that uh, Hagar is a bit of a perv, isn't he? He's been, he's, in, in comparison he's, to uh, well okay that's that's a good point <laughs> so but hey it's it's all subjective it someone's interpretation of this could be like oh it's about it's totally about sex it's about paying for sex and being too broke to pay for it i don't know i think sure, it's about money. we'll go with that yeah, it's that definitely about money but you know i'm sure there's people out there going like all the songs by van halen are about sex just like my uh, whole thing about uh, every Nine Inch Nails song is about sex, and I'll I'll die on that hill alone probably, but it's fine. Well, that I might like be Nine true, Inch actually, Mark. That might be true. 
It is you know, true. They it's all fun. have that sound. You know, they all have that sound. It's like nineties sex, like uh, dark sex or something like that. You know, sometimes it's off-putting. Is there but any it's other bad. kind of sex? <laughs> <laughs> well, again, I'm gonna stop talking here. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but this isn't Nine Inch Nails talk. Perhaps that's another podcast for another day oh, and no. another audience. But this is uh, Van Halen talk, and we have just covered in and out from the fuck album uh, on this pristine day of recording the 31st anniversary, our 31st episode, Corey, man, we've got, it seems I, I, we talked a little bit off air about that. It doesn't seem like we've been at it this long, but uh, it, and there's still so much more to go. There's still so many tracks left to cover and we have just barely scratched the surface of it, but it feels like we've been doing it uh, for a, a little bit of time. How do you feel about that? I mean, 90 tracks left on the wheel. We're about a third of the way through. So uh, st still feeling pretty good. And th this wheel still works magic. We didn't. And I am I know I've been slacking on, on posting the wheel spins. I'm posting this one so that people believe us. We actually spun <laughs> the Four Unlawful yeah. song on the 31st anniversary of Four Unlawful. Um, but yeah, uh, feeling great. I thought we had a good one tonight. Uh, I thought uh, John did a fantastic job. And uh, by all means, let us know uh, those podcasts that you're on again there, my friend. Yeah, we got made in A to Z. That's A, uh, what, what do you say in English? Dash Z, you know? <laughs> a, to, a to Z. A to Z. I, I don't know. It's yeah, right. A to Z or A to Z if you're American. <laughs> and uh, my co-host is actually American. Uh, and then uh, so far, so pod, so what? With uh, Greg Di Pasquale, who was on uh, on that terrible song you did together a while back. Uh, poor Greg. We'll have you oh, back. We, we how many promise. say I? That was the title. You know, you're going to have the title. I. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I, I want to thank you guys too uh, at this this particular um, thing because you introduced me to this album in a way I, you couldn't get a more royal introduction to to, to a rock album than this, you know. So it was, it was quite inspiring actually to hear this track, um, you know, outside of of the rock and roll podcasting and uh, Van Halen world. Uh, so thank you guys. Um, you know, I'm probably gonna get some good ideas coming, uh, you know, <laughs> the forthcoming days. Awesome. From this experience yeah that's great man well we're uh, happy to have you uh and I'm, I'm glad that we could provide at least a small service of of more van halen introduction to you uh through this episode that's that's what it's all about um if you want to plug your uh social media references so the people can find you uh where can the people find you uh made an az pod in one word uh on twitter that's the handle on instagram same thing uh, on Facebook is just a closed group, so I guess you you know you got to be a bit of a, a listener or a nerd to want to join that discussion. It's called Maiden A to Z Friends of the Beast, uh, and then uh, we got Maiden A Z Pod in one word at gmail.com. Uh, for so far so pod so what? It's those words in one word at gmail.com, and uh, I think so far so pod on Twitter. You know, it's pretty new, it's pretty fresh, but I think it is. Yeah, and also I mean it's on the same network anyway. The the incredibly nice and ever rad deep dive podcast network yes absolutely i'm joining that facebook group you just wait uh cory where can the people find you and where can they find the show if they don't know already they can find me at cd morset uh, on twitter they can find this show at podcast will rock on twitter and uh, podcastwillrock.com where we got some merch we got all of our old episodes up on there uh you can find uh, me on two other shows uh, one of them on the Deep Dive Podcasting Network here, uh, Backtracks Aerosmith Revisited, where we're breaking down the whole Aerosmith catalog and coming up with the ultimate Aerosmith mixtape. So that's a lot of fun. Me and John Mariano are doing that. And we launched a new show 
uh, Backtracks theme music, all your favorite movie, uh, favorite movie music. Oh, uh, good topic. Yes, uh, we're having a lot of fun with that one. We're only two shows in, uh, but uh, we've we've already spun or not spun. We're not spinning any wheels or rolling any dice on that one. We're just bringing forth our favorite movie music, uh, and it's right. been an absolute blast. You can find us there uh, on Twitter as well at uh, BT Theme Music. Uh, Mark, where can the fine folks find you? You can find me at Mark the Bat on Twitter and Instagram, ranting about so many different things. Um, you see what I did there, Corey? I said rant. I yep. So there um, used to be a show called Rantings of a Maniac, if I remember. Yes, it's, it's still up there. If you want to catch me ranting about weird, uh, nerdy subjects, go to Rantings of a Maniac podcast at the Feeding the Monster podcast feed. Gone but not forgotten. Well, it's not really gone. Uh, our buddy Jeff Saunders is keeping it alive. So you're, you're doing the Lord's work over there, Jeff. Thank you. Um, but uh, I don't know. I'm thinking here's an exclusive. I've had conversations with uh, with our buddy Mariano, and I'm thinking rantings of a maniac might have to come back. So uh, in some capacity, some capacity, it might have to come back. Don't know if John will have the time to help me with that because he's busy doing two backtrack shows and a lot of them. So uh, we'll just uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll see how things go. But uh, catch me there at Mark the Bat. Uh, at podcast will rock there on Twitter, go to our website, buy our merch, uh, you know, help us out, help keep the lights on, keep the, uh, the airwaves moving so that we can keep delivering good, wholesome podcast episodes. And hopefully much like we did with our guest today, uh, give you an introduction, like a further introduction into the catalog of Van Halen, because that's what it's all about. We are humble fans. We are just not, we're not rock historians. We're just fans who love the music and we want to help spread the good word of Van Halen in some capacity. And I feel like we do pretty good at that. That's the show. Thank you all for tuning in. Be sure to subscribe, share with your friends. I'm sure you got friends who are Van Halen enthusiasts. They need to hear the show, spread it so that Michael Anthony will definitely hear us. And you know, Maybe he'll want to join. Maybe he'll have uh, some conversations to be had. That would be awesome. It's all up to you guys, and it's all up to us to keep bringing you, and the podcast will rock, and we will rock you later. Later.